Today's message is entitled, Ready, Set, Grow. Somebody tried to, like, guess it and was, <laughs> flow. No. Ready, set, grow. I want to talk about uh, 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 how the church grows, okay? I'm not talking about how the church is built. Jesus builds his church. Right? There's nothing we can do. We don't have a savvy marketing campaign uh, uh, to grow a church. There's no message I could preach uh, that is so great. Jesus builds his church, okay? But there's some things that we can steward that allows to facilitate growth. So that's what I want to get into today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Acts, chapter number two. The book of Acts, chapter number two. I'm going to read um, the, starting from the 42nd verse, and I'll go back and give you a little bit of context to this uh, after I read. Starts in uh, the 42nd verse, No, I'm reading from the NLT. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. I want you to underline that. Okay, they worshiped at the temple each day. Uh, that would be like a gathering place like this, okay? Uh, they, and they did that every day. We, we were only asking them once a week, so thank God. Um, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, underline that, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's good stuff, right? Uh, so, so ready, set, grow. That's what we're going to talk about. All right, bow your heads. Let's pray over the word. Lord, help us grow. Amen. <laughs> I love quick prayers. When you see Acts chapter number two, what you are seeing is the culmination of all of Jesus's work and all of the Old Testament's prophets uh, sayings, their writings, their decrees. Actually, the first messianic prophecy given with promise is Genesis 3.15, where it says, the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent, and he shall bruise his heel. From that day, in Genesis chapter number three, every other Old Testament prophecy that has any messianic implications is in fulfillment to what God said in Genesis chapter number three, uh, verse 15. What is amazing about that is that uh, uh, there was a time coming where God was going to make sure that the penalty of sin would not hang over our lives for the balance of our lives and that he would send a sacrifice, a human sacrifice in his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be reconciled, reconnected to God as our father. What's beautiful about this is that when Jesus comes uh, to earth, Jesus uh, doesn't preempt anything. You would think if there was one man that could kind of do it the way he wanted to do it, it would have been Jesus. But he takes his time. First of all, there's 4,000 years in between this messianic prophecy and the time of his birth. Then there's another 30 years before when he would even step in 
to the ministry that God had assigned to him from so long ago. I want you to think about that real quick. Uh, that's a long time to wait for one word. <laughs> so, so I just want you to keep in balance. If you get a lot of prophetic words all the time, be careful. Because this one word took 4,000 years. I don't think you should be getting a word every week. <laughs> Unless it's confirming the first word. And at least let that come to pass before we start doing another word. He comes on the scene. He's a baby. It takes 30 years for him to start his earthly ministry. He starts his earthly ministry, and, and he starts it very casually. Let's go to a wedding. <laughs> We've been waiting for the Messiah for 4,030 years, give or take. And uh, don't you want to have a revival? Shouldn't we pitch a tent and, like, really go? No, he decides to go to a wedding and perform a miracle so that the wedding could be talked about. I'm like, well, they never ran out of wine. It's a good wedding. <laughs> he starts going to people's businesses, helping them fish. He's not even a fisherman. He's just going down there, hey, you might want to fish a different way. They're like, well, you're not even a fisherman. And then they catch a bunch of fish. He's like, I guess you are. Jesus is very, very relational. He's in a lot of people's house for dinner. As John talked about earlier, and again, I haven't talked about my message with John, but every time he gets up, he just seems to have my notes. Jesus was very, very relational. He's always in somebody's house. He's always having dinner with somebody that's kind of random. <laughs> and the movement that's on the inside of him is absolutely growing. See, I think a lot of times... Uh, when we think about church, we think about what goes on in the temple, think about what goes on on a weekend, and we think if we are there on the weekend, we are, that's it, we are doing exactly what we need to be doing. But there's a bond and a uh, deep sense that comes across a community that is only strengthened and only deepened when you come out of the temple and come into the home. A lot of people feel a little bit apprehensive about that. Church can be such a daunting experience, or at least we make it daunting. Uh, and we try to be so accommodating to visitors and got to make sure the air is right and make sure the presentation is good and get up there and say the right thing and don't freak any of the visitors out because, you know, we want them to come back. And it's like, well, you came here, so... We might as well just show you everything on the first day so you're not surprised later, right? I don't know where you could go to a country that's brushing up on their English. If it's a non-English-speaking uh, country, they're brushing up on their English so they can receive you. Like, no, you came here. So. <laughs> Ni hao. Learn some of the language because you came over here. When people come to our churches, it's fantastic. They get a context to who we worship, that when they walk into this room, they're no longer in America. They're actually in heaven because a representation of what happens up there comes down here. It was in the Lord's Prayer. Let your kingdom come and your will be done here as it is there. 
So when people are coming in here, we're not worshiping a president. We're not reading out of a constitution. We're worshiping a king, and we're reading out of his law book, his decrees, his demands, his precepts, and his instructions. I'd rather them get a full dose of that and say, you know what, I don't want any of that, than to be so accommodating that they think it's one thing, and then we go, psych, it's something else. (laughs) Jesus is in the temple, and he's also in people's homes. He's at the synagogue debating some religious leaders, and he's in somebody's house having a dinner. And everywhere he was going, there was such an incredible transformation in people's hearts as they got to know him on a very intimate basis. Uh, As I was getting ready for the service today, it dawned on me, and it was only today. I, I start studying on Thursday, but it dawned on me today that Jesus had a small group. Like he had 12 guys that he just hung out with for three and a half years and just did life with. They weren't the brightest. (laughs) Tried to speak to them very plainly, tried to speak to them deep and theologically, and they did not get it until after he was resurrected. But he had a group of people that he spent time with, shared meals with, shared his life with. And so he dies. He gets up from the grave, he has handed this mandate of the church, something he created, and said, I want you to go spread it abroad. Now, I want you to see this. This small group of 12, after his death, go into a home, because he told them to go wait there for the Holy Spirit. That was in somebody's house that wasn't at church. So if you want to know where the first revival really broke out, it wasn't at a conference. (laughs) It wasn't at a week-long camp meeting, for those of you all that have a real strong Pentecostal background, okay? It wasn't oil being slung everywhere (laughs) in a a seven-day revival. The Holy Spirit is just moving. Woo! (laughs) They were in somebody's house on the second floor sharing a meal, worshiping the Lord, and the Holy Spirit just came down on them in the house. (laughs) Such an incredible event that happened. As soon as it happened, they came downstairs. Peter preaches his first sermon. At the end of his first trial sermon, 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus, and the church was on a move. Now, can you imagine going from 12 to 120 people in the room to 3,000 people? And, and, and we have a mega church after one sermon. If that happened today, that preacher's ego would be through the roof. I don't even preach sermons. Just listen to the first one. It was amazing. <laughs> I just play it every weekend. <laughs> 3,000 people come to Jesus. And yes, they met in the temple. But in order for them to really grow they had to get in somebody's house. They came to Jesus in the temple, but they grew in someone's house. But by the end of Acts chapter number four, there's 5,000 of them. 2,000 additional people gave their life to Jesus. And so 
Can you imagine? Okay, we, we, we have this huge gathering of this new group of believers. We're trying to teach them about Jesus and his resurrection uh, uh, and the fact that he's the Messiah. He is the one that was uh, prophesied about in the Old Testament. And uh, uh, until we meet in the temple again, how are we going to manage all this? And they're like, hey, you can come to my house. I have sandwiches. And somebody else was like, okay, you, you have sandwiches. Well, I have lamb. So if anybody wants to go to my house, and they were like, well, I don't live close to you. And they were like, well, I live over here near Samaria. They were like, well, you come, I'm, I'm right down the street from where you're talking about right there. Just come to my house. And everyone started going in everyone's house. They were sharing meals, fellowshipping with each other. And here's what was happening to the church after the most Pentecostal move of all time. They went to people's houses. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to your house. It happens every weekend after a gathering like this. People go home. (laughs) Sometimes you have people come with you. And it is in that routine, mundane, week in, week out, day in, day out, sense of community and belonging that the church grew. It was not the revival moment. That's when the church experienced something. But let me tell you where people grow. They grow doing regular stuff every day. I've been married to Juliet for 17 years, and our relationship has not grown in the intimacy it has because we go to a ridiculously awesome, expensive vacation every year. That would be nice. But let me tell you where our relationship got intimate and it really started to grow. Getting up every morning. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. Got to go to work. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Call me. I'll call you. 11 o'clock, between 11 and 12, I try to call Juliet every single day. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. And she'll be in one of her modes, work mode or (laughs) sleep mode or whatever mode it is, flip mode. I don't know what mode. And uh, (laughs) flip mode was actually a rap group. Never mind. Um, I just gave a whole contextualization to myself that, anyway, I don't know how that fell out of my spirit. Uh, y'all keep praying for me. Um, I'll call her between 11 and 12, and I can tell by how I'm talking to her on the phone which mode she's in, because that's what 17 years would do. And so, uh, and she can tell with me sometimes, hey, babe, just want to call, say hi. And she was like, have you eaten? You haven't eaten lunch yet, have you? She was like, I said no. She okay, bye because she don't want to talk to me because my voice is weird and when I, my sugar drops and it's just crazy. So um, intimacy has been established because of the day in, day out, week in, week out, routine things that are done. Let me tell you what I love about uh, the people that have decided to call Embassy City Church home. I'm so glad that you're over the hype because I can't facilitate it nor do I want to, because the way you get them is the way you have to keep them. And so if we got to have, like, jugglers and, like, (laughs) it's the most awesome worship I've ever heard. It blew my hair back. And your message was so amazing. You're you're the funniest person ever. Keep being funny. Well, then that's pressure. I don't, what if I'm not funny one day? We're not going to be here for 20 weeks, 20 months. I hope to be here 20 years, more if God says the same. 
But it is the week in, week out. We're coming back here, and we're going to do three things. Worship, get the word, and fellowship. When we first started the church, uh, people came after the third week and were like, when are you going to have groups? And I was like, um, at some point we will, but can we get to know each other first? Well, I came from this church and I have these credentials and we were like, yeah, we, I, we really don't care. <laughs> we kind of don't trust anybody yet, but you're nice. You seem really nice, but it's the third week. So here it is, we're coming up on our first year, we're just launching groups because we wanted to do it right. <laughs> and we wanted to make sure that we knew what we were doing and what we wanted out of it. So there's three points that I want you to write down uh, out of this. Uh, actually, there's going to be six, uh, but the first three are uh, related to the sermon, the, sec- the, the second three are related to the groups. So here, here's what I want you to write before we get into any of the points. Three reasons why we need to be in a group, and I say we Uh, Because we're all going to do this together. This is not like a cool idea that I feel like we needed to do because other churches have groups, and so we need to have groups. Uh, Embassy City Church is going to be a church of small groups. It's going to be something that we do. It's the foundation of what we do is we're going to have groups. We're going to be in relationship at a very, very uh, intimate level. Three reasons why we need to be in a group. Point number one, write this down. We grow closer. We grow closer. There's, no, there's nothing that will make you close to a person like letting them in your house. <laughs> Anybody ever had a guest that, you know, hey, can I stay with you for a little bit? A little bit ever turned into a year or two? <laughs> and it's amazing how Uh, uh, accommodating we are for short bursts of proximity, right? Like like we can do, this is like 75 to 90 minutes. I mean, it's like I can can pull myself together and sit there and be nice for 90 minutes, right? But like if we were trapped in here for six hours, (laughs) you see a whole different side of everybody (laughs) at that point. Well, This is not about seeing the other side of somebody and catching them in something. This is about coming closer together, growing closer together as a church. On the weekends, in the temple, we come together. Hey, turn around, greet somebody. You're like, hi, 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 hi. Okay, that was great. Okay. (laughs) Let's get to the word. It's brief. There might be some... Uh, people that you've come in contact now, you know their face, maybe you've gotten to know them, maybe you've, talking to, you've spoken with them uh, outside of this context, and so uh, uh, you, you feel a little bit closer. Uh, but if you're really going to grow together, you have to get in the house. It's never facilitated this big. It has to become smaller. So point number one is we grow together. Point number two, write this down. Uh, I'm sorry, we grow closer. Point number two is we grow together. Here's what I mean by this, and this is why it differs from point number one. Point number one, we grow closer. Intimacy, uh, we know each other a little bit more. Uh, We get to ask questions that we probably don't get to ask in a setting like this. Uh, But point number two is we grow together. And here's what I mean by that. We literally spiritually mature and grow together. I can always tell um, a person who is... uh, Uh, dealing with spiritual immaturity uh, 
by their connection and frequency to their local church. You show me somebody that is not connected uh, to a local church uh, on any regular basis uh, and may not be in a group setting doing life uh, with people, uh, that's a person that after a while shows signs of spiritual immaturity. Now, why, why do I say that it, that it becomes spiritual immaturity? Uh, because anytime you isolate yourself from the body, uh, the enemy has an opportunity to work on you outside of the context of a local church body that can help you understand the season that you're in, understand the situations that you're going through. And anytime we, removes our, we remove ourselves from that type of structure, what happens is we start seeing people that have kind of crazy revelations. They start seeing scripture in a way that you're like, that's really interesting. I've never heard that. And they may not have been to church in weeks and weeks and weeks, but then they want a meeting with you so they can sit down and say, hey, I got to show you something in the Bible I found. No one else is talking about it. That scares me. But God showed me something he showed never. She showed no one else. And I'm like, that scares me, too. My mom, who uh, is from Birmingham, Alabama, has what I call mother wit. It's that old school, deep sense of just wisdom that exudes from a soul that's just spent their life in God's presence. And she made uh, a statement that has become a maxim for my life as it relates to the scripture, and it is this. If it, and I got to say it the way my mama would say it from Birmingham, okay? If it's true, it ain't new. And if it's new, it ain't true. Write that down. You know it's powerful. Go ahead and write that down. You're like, oh, my goodness. Birmingham, must visit. Um, I'm going to say it again. If it's true, it ain't new. And if it's new, it ain't true. Scripture says there's nothing new under the sun. Okay? So what happens is when you have an opportunity to grow closer together, you, must, you, you start to spiritually mature together. Uh, Juliet and I have both been in the DFW Metroplex now, uh, her for 20, a little bit over 20 years, me coming up on 20 years. And we have friends that we uh, knew when we first moved out here back in, I think it was 94 for you, babe, 95 for you and 97 for me. I still have friends that I met way back then that I'm in connection with, and you can just tell they've stayed plugged into a local church. They've stayed uh, in a small group setting, which means they've been doing life with people. And you can just tell they've continued to spiritually mature and grow. We haven't even uh, been at the same churches. Some went to this church. We went to this church. And, but we can tell that we were still growing together. And I've also run into some people that we knew from back then who got disconnected from church. And uh, what I realized is when I talked to them, they said stuff, again, that you could just tell you've been removed. You know, I have my own relationship with God, and I don't need the church. You know, everybody in there is crazy. And the Lord just gave me a revelation one night about what's really real. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't want to believe me. That sounds real distant and isolated, right? A lot of people don't want to believe me, but uh, I had one person uh, who just, the Holy Spirit dropped the holy for him, and they became real friends, and so it was just spirit. 
And so spirit just tells me all the time, you know, what to do. And spirit just leads me. I just go wherever the spirit tells me. And I'm like, I'm sure that's a lowercase s on. I'm almost certain that's a lowercase s spirit that's telling you not to go to anybody's church, but evangelize everybody about what's wrong with the church. You ever, you ever met a real cynical person? You talk to them about church and like they, they still, like Jesus is Lord, right? Like, oh, I love Jesus. I just don't love the, nobody that likes him in church. The church is just, you know, I can't stand it. They're a bunch of hypocrites. They're just mean and they're evil. And I'm not going into like, back to anybody's church. All they do is want to take your money. And you're just like, you are hurt. You are wounded. And I understand that you could go to a restaurant, sit down, eat food, get food poisoning, and it make you sick. But I doubt, anybody had food poisoning before? I've had it before. It is the, if you've never had it, God bless you. It is the worst, I, I literally wanted to write my obituary. I thought, I literally, I thought I was going, I'm not exaggerating, I thought I was going to die. I was just like, I'm, it's over. I didn't know this fish was gonna kill me. I was writing a wheel, like, Nathan gets this, and Noah gets... It was, it was, it was the, the worst experience I could have ever experience. As bad as that situation was, I never vowed not to eat again. And I almost died. But can you imagine somebody saying, after almost being poisoned by some food that they thought was good, saying, that's it, I, see, can't trust food. Salad, beans, rice, can't trust none of it. So you know what? I'm not eating anything ever again. You're right. You make that decree, you won't eat anything ever again. Because you'll die. You know what's happening to people? That push back from the spiritual plate because they received some food poisoning from an unhealthy church. That's it. I'll never eat that again. And they're dying. So you got to get together. <laughs> and when you get together, you grow together. Point number three, write this down. We grow stronger. This is a good one. I love this one. Uh, there's, there's, there's nothing like and I've and I found rest and comfort in it for many, many years. I have um, some really close friends uh, outside of my wife uh, who have permission uh, to check me on anything and everything uh, if they feel that I am not lining up with God's word and uh, living up to uh, my responsibility as a believer, not being a pastor or anything like that. that those are all verbs. I'm talking about the noun who I am, and the way that I identify with my life in Jesus Christ and the way I live that out. Uh, it's been the same group of friends now for uh, over 15 years. And let me tell you what has happened because I've been in that type of a small group with a, this small circle. I've grown stronger. I would love to tell you it's because I fast and pray and read the word. All of that is good. Those are things that every believer should be doing. But there is nothing like having people in your life 
that can look you in the eye and say, are you okay? I saw you at church. I couldn't wait for you to get to my house because you smiled and you looked okay. But are you okay? And there's nothing like outside of a church setting, the temple, being able to go in somebody's house and just kick your feet up on a couch and say, dude, it's horrible right now. It's, it's just, I don't even know what to say. And they just look at you and go, Thanks for sharing. No judgment. No, like, ooh, I'm going to put that on Facebook <laughs> and act like I'm talking about something else, but it's really you. <laughs> you get stronger when you're in a setting where you can be transparent. Here's what the enemy says. Don't tell them your business. You, 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 you shared your bit. You already tried a small group. Remember what happened last time? It got real crazy, and then somebody, you know, took some information, and it got weird. And so uh -uh, stay away from that. Like, don't, like, this is your small group. The weekend is your small group. You're in the house of the Lord. You get stronger. When you can be around some people, you can be transparent with. Let me tell you who was strong like that. Jesus was. Jesus takes three of his friends from his small group up on a mountain on uh, the night that he was to be betrayed and said, hey, would y'all pray with me for an hour? He was in the most vulnerable moment of his life. You know what he wanted? His friends. <laughs> he wanted some people around him that would pray with them, and they didn't even do a good job. They're like, God bless them. Please, Jesus. Well, he is Jesus, so please, God. <laughs> would you, oh, would you be with him? And, uh, oh, boy, I'm going into sleep mode. <laughs> they fell asleep. And he came back, <laughs> looked at his small group after, like, sweating profusely, asking God to take this cup from him. He comes back, finds him asleep. He's like, Really? You couldn't pray with me one hour? Well, get up. We got to go. It wasn't like, I hate you all. I'm out. You failed me. They're human. I'm not saying that every environment's going to be ideal and that somebody won't make a mistake. What I'm saying is we grow together and we grow stronger when we can forgive those mistakes, move on, and see all of our spiritual life grow. Good? Okay. So, uh, point number one is what? Louder. Point number two? Point number three? Okay, so those are the three reasons why we need to be in a group. Now, uh, our groups are, okay, I, I want to give you three points about our groups, so you can write down our groups are. Our groups are. The groups that we're establishing, our groups are, point number one, sermon-based. Okay. What that simply means is uh, whatever I teach on the weekend uh, will become what gets uh, discussed in the small group. Here we get to say, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And that's personal to uh, God. What, how do you want me to respond to this message? 
Uh, but when you get in your group, you get to dissect the message and go, you know what, when he said this, I started thinking about this. And when he said that, thought about ways it could have been applicable to my life. And it's like, oh, my goodness, that's absolutely awesome. And it, there's an exchange. So it's not like another service. OK, we've already trained uh, our leaders that this is not like another church service. So if you get to somebody's house and there's a pulpit, <laughs> you have my permission to run for your life. Okay, and please report it, okay, because we want to know who that person is because they lied to us. No, they're, every single one of them, they're great, they're great. Uh, but but it's, it's sermon-based, okay, so we take the message, we get to exchange, we get to talk about it, and it's great. Point number two, write this down, is content-driven, okay? So a sermon base is content-driven. Here's what I mean by that. Um, there, there are things that are going to be discussed every week in our small groups uh, uh, with our group leaders that they're going to give us, uh, and I'll tell you what, those, uh, what that is in a minute, uh, that won't be discussed here. So uh, it's not like we're trying to hide something and, and force you to go into a group, except we kind of are, because uh, <laughs> there's, there's content that's going to be there that's not going to be here. Why do we say that? Because you really grow in the group. We're growing here as a church body, but we're really going to have growth spurt when we get in our group. So it's content uh, driven. There, there's uh, a thing that we've come up with, and I thought I made it up. I thought I, was in, I thought I was in the spirit of the Lord on the Lord's day, really deep in thought. Uh, and uh, I he heard these three words come into my mind. The one big thing, the one big thing that, that, that are uh, the, the content that we want to give uh, to uh, the people that are in groups is the one big thing. So you get three points on the weekend, but you, then you get the one big thing that we're going to do for the week. How are we going to apply what we learned on the weekend through our week? And it's going to be called the one big thing. And I thought the Lord gave me those three words, one big thing. I was excited. Then I was sitting at home one night watching ESPN. <laughs> There's a guy named Scott Van Pelt who does the like weekly sports wrap-up and at the end of his show, he has a thing called the one big thing. And I was like, was that like an inception moment? Like, did it get so implanted in my brain that I thought I came up with it, but I didn't because he did? Anyway, if you're watching ESP and that comes on, it'll just remind you to do your one big thing. So it still works, OK? Uh, but the content will be the one big thing. And it'll be the one big thing that we want to apply based on what we learned uh, at the end of all of our small group sessions, OK? Uh, and the third thing is, uh, that is residentially owned. This is uh, for, if, if you're a resident of Embassy City Church, we don't call uh, the people that go to this church members, we call them residents. Uh, if you want more information about that, come to a class and you'll hear all about it. Uh, it's residentially owned, so it's all done uh, by residents of our community, okay? Cool thing, we have uh, eight groups uh, to start off with, and we're gonna wind up having many, many more. But we have eight right now. Two are, and if I'm, is Arnita here? Where are you, Arnita? Come on, just stand up real quick. So Arnita is over all of the groups. She's the leader that put them all together. She's absolutely amazing. So there's an anointing in that fro. There is. There is an anointing in that fro. So uh, uh, I, it, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going off memory. But we have... Two groups in DeSoto, two in Arlington, one in Irving, one in South Lake, and one in Plano. 
ooh, I'm good. I didn't even write that. That's not even written down. That's just, huh? Oh, Carrollton, jazz hands. That's fantastic. Okay, so uh, uh, we, we have, so then we have nine groups then. Okay, we have nine groups. They grew. See how fast the church growing? <laughs> they grew in between me thinking it was eight into nine. It'll be 10 by the time we dismiss in Jesus' name. Okay, so we, we are, we know some people are, are, are spread out. We, we don't, here's the thing. Oh boy. Okay, I want to say this and I want to make sure. Yeah, y'all know me. Okay, so good. Yeah, because y'all be here every weekend. So, okay. Um, I can't stand people that are addicted to church. Like church junkies bother me. And the reason why they bother me is because of what I taught last week. They never go. They just keep showing up. But they never want to go. I'm just going to be in church every time the doors open. That's really admirable, except like, how are you going to ever get a person if you're always here? Go. Well, the reason why most people do that is because uh, church becomes medication as opposed to inspiration and dedication, it becomes medication. And when it becomes medication, it becomes really, really unhealthy. And when it becomes unhealthy, they become dysfunctional, and it's just a... So, 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 so we're telling people to go, okay? And as they go, and as you get in your group, you will start to grow. And right now, there's nine of them, uh, and they're pretty spread out. So you should be able to find one and join one. And here's the thing, we're going to get more. We only have one in Irving, and this is the city that we're assigned to. So we need more than one group in Irving. Amen? Amen. Okay? And so um, if it's something that you're interested in uh, as far as leading, uh, pray about it. You can talk to Arnita. Uh, and if it's something uh, uh, that you want to do uh, in terms of leading, uh, then we, we would love to take you through the process but, but here's what I'm going to tell everybody. And I know everybody's not going to do it because um, I've just been alive long enough to know uh, that you can encourage people all you want to, can lead a horse to water, can't make them drink. I'm not calling nobody a horse, so don't come up to me. Did you call me a horse? No, I did not. Uh, I know everybody's in different stages of their walk, so some might be uncomfortable. And so this is not like a hard sale. It's not a timeshare, you know. <laughs> No one's going to be like, and so after me, my manager's going to come. <laughs> you didn't want to, well, listen, just hold on. How about one group a month? It's not going to be, okay? It's not a hard sale. It's just a strong exhortation, okay? It's not a hard sale, but it's a strong exhortation. We've been praying about this for a year. <laughs> and what we want to see is our church grow closer grow together, and grow stronger. And that can only happen in a limited fashion one day a week. When we get into each other's homes and get connected, we grow. Ready, set, grow. Okay, bow your heads, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love, your grace, your anointing that you've given to this church. I thank you, Lord, that we're growing up. I thank you that you are giving us the infrastructure to be able to grow. God, I pray that um, uh, what you do with the group leaders and those that would be in these groups would be something that could never happen 
on the weekend. I pray that you would anoint all of us to grow closer, grow together, and grow stronger. God, would you take any apprehension, any past church hurt, and if it's not all the way healed, Lord God, would you give them the faith to believe again, to trust again. Lord, whoever got food poisoning from their previous church, I pray that they wouldn't build up a wall to never receive again, never be submitted again, never live again. Would you take our congregation to another level because of what you're doing? Not only in this house, but in our house. In a moment, we're going to pray. And if you need prayer for any reason, maybe you've been carrying a burden all week and you just want to drop it off. Maybe there's something about the message that really stirred you up and you just want to come and share that and get some prayer. We'd love to pray with you all. So just in a moment, we're going to sing one more song. At that time, we're going to ask everyone to stand. And if you need prayer for any reason, at that time, we're going to ask you to come. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every person that needs prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet?